You're listening to Where We Fit, a podcast that shines a light on the unique paths and careers in the communications industry. I'm Eggie, an ad PR senior at the City College of New York with a focus on account services and strategy. And I'm Monique Kirchi. I'm a film and video production student and an ad and PR student. And we are joined here with Bennett Bennett, the co-founder of 600 and Rising, principal at Aerialist and founding partner of Allyship in Action. He's an award-winning copywriter and a one-time journalist with experience working at global brand consultations and ad agencies. And he has devoted much of his career to creating a more equitable world and future for advertising talent. Hello, Bennett. Welcome. Hey, Monique. Hey, Aggie. It's good to be on this, uh, what is it, third podcast episode with y'all? Y'all chugging along. Great to be part of it. Yeah, man. And you know the magic of threes. That's why we saved you for third. Uh, The holy trinity. (laughs) Third time's the charm, right? And um, I forgot to mention, the podcast is brought to you by the CCNY AAF student chapter. Um, Have to shout out the sponsors, you know, so keep the (laughs) club strong. Um, So, Bennett, I want to dive right in um, because we, you know, during our our brief, we had so much to talk about. So it's like, I want to run through this and I want to get as much of the valuable information that we spoke about before into this podcast. Um, And I think the best place to start is to really get an understanding of how you fit into the industry, because we heard your titles, we heard everything you've done. Now we want to know more about you specifically and how you fit into the industry. Ooh, uh, how do I fit in this industry? It, very, very great question. I, I, I feel like I'm in this place where because I formally stepped out of traditional advertising uh, in 2018, uh, and that road led to me launching my own consultancy called Aerialist uh, that serves a place in the content world Content can be anything, whether that's advertising, marketing, media stuff, uh, but also am very tied into this interesting evolving world of diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, through launching 600 and Rising, which is an advocacy group for black talent in advertising and the allyship in action platform, which is it's a hybrid summit and transparency platform for for brands and agencies and essentially corporate America. I feel like my my space and you know where I fit in this world is I don't want to say it's ever changing, but it's absolutely different than how I felt it would be maybe six or seven months ago before the George Floyd incident. Oh wow, okay. So George Floyd was kind of like the watershed moment that made you like realign your trajectory? In a sense, yeah. Uh, so I launched my, I launched Aerialist on my 30th birthday. My birthday is in May and the the George Floyd incident happened at the end of the month. So it, this, I think this year in particular was more of a watershed moment for me than just the George Floyd incident. But one, the pandemic put me in a place where, hey, there are places that are letting go of people, there are places firing people, you know, there's people who cannot get work. 
And I have these unique skill sets from being an, an agency copywriter, being a former journalist, being someone who is just deeply invested in purpose in, in the brand world. So launching my own thing was, you know, just a big kind of bet on myself. And then George Floyd, I don't want to say it reminded me that I am still a black man in this industry, but it definitely reminded me that, you know, even if I no longer have a place, you know, or no longer see myself working for a traditional agency, I definitely owe it to the future of the industry to make sure that I can do my part to make it a better place for them. That is incredibly powerful. I mean, this year alone with the Black Lives Matter movement has really changed. I don't want to say like, it's it's honestly changed everything, I would say. And especially as this group right here, minorities in this industry, it, it comes into question of like, not only how do we fit in this industry, but how do we fit in this world, in, in this city? It was, it was tough. Like I was a literal diversity hire at my first agency. You know, they launched a program specifically to get not people from non-traditional backgrounds in the door. And I was as non-traditional as it got for, for a copywriter. You know, but I also knew, well, I was the only person in this room. You know, I was the only black person black person in the creative department or at least the only black copywriter uh, in the creative department. When I was a journalist, I was the only black journalist in the trades, ad week, ad age, campaign magazine, the drum, uh, you know, like I was in these places where I was one of one and people kind of fail to recognize either the power that that has in, in me and my particular insights and understanding of the world, but also the, the struggle that I represent. So let me ask you something. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Um, representation is really important, especially like with how diversity has been coming into multiple industries like film, media, communications. So even someone like me, like thinking back on like the media that I consumed, I couldn't remember a clear representation of someone who like realistically represented who I was. So it comes into question now that we're like adults and we're actually in this industry, we're actually doing like the things that we envisioned, I guess. Is it more of like this pressure or this responsibility to be sort of this role model that you didn't have or that I didn't have growing up, you know? Uh, it's pressure if you want it. It's responsibility if you want it. Some people just choose to... Some people have chosen through their careers that assimilation may be the better option, you know, and, and assimilation is a different kind of pressure where you're like trying to like fit into a, a white patriarchal cisgender structure. Right. And that in and of itself is pressure because you know, 
you don't really belong, but like you're doing it to please other people. I think there is a bit of freedom. Uh, yes, there is pressure because you want to do right by, you know, the people who see you, you know, not just as you, but in themselves. Uh, and, and, and that's definitely different. Like I, I felt like, and I still feel the pressure. I, I think the pressure is a much greater. Uh, and I feel like I'd been, or at least, you know, being part of an organization like 600 and Rising has put more pressure on me because, you know, when, when it's just me as a copywriter or a journalist and somebody from a school like CCNY or, you know, within the CUNY system or, or just in general sees me and says, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to learn from you. I want to, you know, I want to know what I can do. You know, like you do your best. And <clears throat> I always use a disclaimer, like I don't have all the answers, but like, if I don't have the answers, I know somebody who does, you know, like that, that's just how I am, you know? And <clears throat> even when it, even when I recognize, well, you know, it's not just black people I got to look out for. It's other people of color who are seeing somebody who has some bit of success that they, they aspire to. Cause not all black people want to be copywriters, you know, and not all, you know, and there are tons of people of color who, and women who want to be, you know, in a space where I was at uh, or, or am. And, you know, it's just like holding space and for somebody like me who, again, like growing up in Queens, growing up in Far Rockaway, like I'm around that, like I'm around diversity. That always felt like my privilege. So <laughs> I, I use that now as a way to remind myself that meeting people where they are is fun. Understanding people's stories, understanding, you know, their, their struggles, like that's fun to me. Like it is like, I feel a sense of purpose in knowing, all right, I care about people from so many different walks of life because I, I grew up around them. And in order to like, I feel like if you care about these people, you should care about the things that, that are their, the problems that, that they deal with, you know, because there's always, you're always going to find more common threads than you believe. Uh, is it a responsive, is it hard sometimes? Yes. Like, absolutely. Uh, and again, like now that I'm running 600, like it's, it's a greater responsibility because you have to think about the entire black experience, uh, not just the experience of being a black man, not just my specific experience of being a first generation American, you know, of Jamaican heritage and wanting to make sure that we have like more diverse Caribbean representation, you know, <laughs> across the board, you know, it's the struggles of black women. Like, gen like FKA Twigs just like came out with a lawsuit against Shia LaBeouf. There's so many black women who are dealing with issues of sexual harassment in the workplace that, you know, I have to think of when, when I'm in these spaces. So like, and, and that's just one example, you know, pay equity, all, all these things. Uh, and it, it's a lot, but like, again, like, 
it's pressure if you want it, it's responsibility if you want it. Uh, and I guess clearly like I've, I've chosen to take on the bigger problems because I guess I got tired of hearing people say that like, oh, advertising doesn't cure cancer. But I'm like, a good story saves lives. You know, what <laughs> stories are we putting out in the world that ensure that people know that there is a better way towards a better quality of life, that there are better ways to treat people. And I like that. I think, you know, I like that as a storyteller. I love that as a problem solver. What I find very interesting is that, you know, so far, this is our third episode. And the first two episodes were very, very focused on the tangible skill sets and the like reproducible kind of skills that you can learn and, and, and use in the trade. And this one is scratching, this episode specifically is scratching the surface on an, an entirely different aspect of the things that you need to have and the tools that you need to really, really succeed in the industry. Um, the kind of tools that go beyond um, what you learn in class and, and what you pick up during some of the coursework in the program. And I think that this is also very important because you mentioned the the aspect of going into an agency and being one of one, right? And, and, and where that leads, because immediately my mind goes to, you know, two things, right? Imposter syndrome and tokenization. So emotionally, right? Because this is, this is really, you know, the stuff that you're not gonna learn in school, you could only learn it through life experiences or through insights of others, right? So I'm trying to pick your mind right now. It's like, how did you build the skill set or the mentality that kind of lets you enter a space where you're one of one and avoid tokenization, avoid the imposter syndrome, or maybe not avoid, but manage it as best you can in order to persevere through that experience? I had to think about this and it's still a hard thing to, to answer because, um, and, and not in the sense that like, it's difficult for me to, to answer your question. It's just like, you know, you, you kind of bring yourself back into, into scenarios where, for example, like I remember you know, when, when our creative residency ended at BBDO, it was a one year uh, residency. We were paid like 50 K for, you know, just, just, I don't want to say just to be there, but you know, to essentially like be full-time employees, get on as many projects as we could, like infuse something uh, different into the agency culture and then hopefully be part of the fuller agency experience after that year and because nobody knew what that meant to be a creative resident they thought i was an intern even when i spent like two three four years there there were people who would reach out to me and say hey you know how's your internship going like within the agency and that was frustrating like i'd had i had coworkers who started as interns after i broke in and they got leveled up twice in, in like in front of me and like I've been putting in the work, but there was really no visibility. And I would be the person called into 
into college fairs. Not that I didn't mind, like I didn't mind talking to college students. I didn't mind letting people know, but it was just like, Bennett likes people, you know? This <laughs> Bennett likes people. We don't. <laughs> right. Like, uh, was, was there like an aspect of code switching through this whole thing? Like as you saw people kind of get, you know, get advanced um, for whatever reason there is, do you, did you ever feel the, the need to code, code switch when you were at an agency? Oof. Oof. Uh, I feel like being a, a black per, a, being an American kid to Jamaican parents forced me to code switch very early on. So it didn't <laughs> feel like hard. Like, I talk like I know I talk a certain way uh, when I'm in the corporate world, but it's just like I, I've known, like I've known I, I just talk proper and I would be picked on for talking proper uh, growing up. But that was because I did speech therapy. That's because I I was in ESL when I was in kindergarten and first grade because right. I just didn't know Shout how to like, ESL properly kids. talk. So... <laughs> You know, I, I just always have been self-conscious about it, but I never really considered it code switching because my voice always felt distinct. But like, you know, I do feel different when, um, and I, I guess there's the, the linguistic code switching and the behavioral code switching, right? Mm. So behaviorally, I wasn't really around enough black people to not code switch. And when I was, you know, it was at networking events when you are allowed to in, in a little bit of a way, you know, dress down your personality a little bit for, for people. But yeah, like I, I think I've, I haven't been more free at, as an individual. I feel like I was just always, trying to show up as myself as best as I can. It's just like, you're not going to take away the fact that I'm a black guy. Right. Yeah. You I know? mean, that's, that's like, inherent, that's not, right? Like that's, that's not going to change. I'm six foot seven. Of course you're going to ask me about basketball. Like <laughs> you know, no. certain things like, you know, you, you just know. And, you know, to your larger point about tokenism, right? Like, I was just always in a, in a weird, unique position where like, I, I just couldn't change. <laughs> like I couldn't change even if I wanted to try, uh, you know? So I, I just tried to show up as my best self. And I like always tell, like I always tell people who are interning, people who are breaking in, like try to show up as like, as full of yourself, like your fullest self as, as possible. Uh, because people may not appreciate that. And those are the people who probably need to change more than you do. Yeah. But like, yeah. I appreciate that. And I know that as long as you are bringing that, like it is easier for me to help you. Do you feel like, this is kind of going back to what you were t talking about earlier, but you say that like, you have an interest in many diversity and many different cultures. I mean, I'm also from Queens, so I know exactly what you mean when you say that. And, um, but in my experience, I've noticed a lot of like, and, and let me know if you agree or not. Do you think there is some, do you think there's like competition between different cultures, different people of ethnic groups, in, especially in the industry, especially in media? 
hundred percent. Um, my first time really dealing with that was in high school. So I went to Brooklyn tech, uh, you know, specialized high school exam, like mostly Asian students and, you know, that, that end up, uh, at Brooklyn tech or Stuyvesant and, you almost felt this inherent pressure when you were in a situation like that. And, and my parents would tell me like, Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. The, the Chinese people or the Japanese people would feel away. And like, that's part, part of their ignorance, uh, you know, uh, but there was this pressure that gets put on black students to that, like they see, or they have this idea of how, Asian families raise their kids or uh, Hispanic families raise their kids and you just got to outperform them. And they try to imprint their their stereotypes that they have acquired of these different groups on you. And that's rough. Like, like that, 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 that was so rough for me to see in high school. And you know, I, I, I wasn't an A student. <laughs> like I may have talked like an A student because I felt like I was book smart, but I was also a slacker. And I think being a slacker allowed me more empathy for when people struggled. And sometimes people who have the most pressure on them to be the A students are the ones who like, who tend to break down and, and they crumble sometimes. So I think, you know, in the industry especially after you know especially 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 right now um where to the representation point everybody wants to see themselves in the fullest degree people are very upset at selena the series on netflix right because they're like we want to have our Black Panther moment, and instead, you're giving me a watered down version of what J Lo gave us back in the '90s. You know, I, like I have a very hot take about Selena, and I don't even know if I could say it. You know, as a representative of the Latino community, I just but I, there is a very hot take in there, and I urge every Latino person listening to this to really, really search their feelings and think about and reevaluate how we view the entire Selena situation. And I'm going to leave it at there for now. You'll have to tune in to episode four to figure out the rest. But <laughs> it's a hot take. <laughs> um, I want to I go back to um, skill sets. And because your journey through the industry it seems very industry. It seems very industry. It seems very interesting, right? Because we have you going from physics at Hunter to copywriting to journalism to broadcasting, all these different skill set. Um, I want to hear a little bit about how you bring all those skills together and how all of them help you through the communications in your communications career. Um, let me run that back real quick because that was a whole mess. But <laughs> we have you going from, and I'm sorry for this, Monique, because you're going to have to edit this and make me sound eloquent. Um, so <laughs> we have you at taking physics at Hunter, going into copywriting, journalism. I know you have some creative writing experience. Um, you're also just kind of 
entering this lane of diversity and equity and inclusion. And it's, it's so many different skills. How do you bring those all together and kind of make a cohesive kind of skill set that puts you in a position where you're at now? Um, damn, I feel like professors would call this your personal brand, right? <laughs> What is your uh, personal I, brand? Yeah, um, I, for one, have never been a fan of quote-unquote personal brands uh, just because I feel like it's fake. People only get to see one part of you. And I even, like, did a whole presentation on, like, how to properly network, which is, like, just getting to know people and, you know, not leaving it to, uh, you know, what's on the resume or LinkedIn profile. Uh even when I was a physics major, I wanted to do physics because I love sci-fi. I love superheroes. <laughs> like growing as a kid, I wanted to be a superhero. And when that didn't happen, I just realized maybe I just want to tell superhero stories. I loved Iron Man. I'm a big fan of War Machine. There was that big Marvel announcement, uh, well, Disney announcement yesterday. Uh, and I was pretty geeked up about it. But I'd always wanted to be a writer. I'd always wanted to tell stories. Uh, my parents just, you know, felt like to be this person living in a country they moved to from Jamaica, you got to have a career that's stable. Otherwise, what are you doing with your life? You know, and, and that's what got me into a lot of STEM stuff. So again, Brooklyn Tech, specialized high school. Uh, I was a applying to special to uh creative writing programs but my parents were like nah you ain't making any money so i i went to hunter and physics was my best class in high school so i took that up uh but like i loved the the english classes i loved sociology and uh and economics and just like all these people-centric uh you know courses because i i just i love culture i love i love understanding how people interact with each other, you know, and in, in flunking out. Cause I flunked like that is a proper part of my story that I feel like I should, I should talk about and maybe normalize like, you know, four year paths through college are, are they're tough. They're difficult when you are uh, a city kid uh, or just a person of color. And, and there is a lot of pressure that comes with that being, being first gen. Uh, doing broadcasting my dad fixed tvs and stereos when i was a kid and you know i i remember when i was studying physics i'm like i want to make people's houses sound really nice because i love acoustics because my dad fixed stereos so like it all made sense to me uh how does it translate to now i i've always said and this is how i approached creative directors or people who are hiring me like i am just as much of a right brain person as i'm a left brain person like I can think through anything logically, make things make sense. That is what you do when you, you know, you grow up dealing with all these sorts of problem solving uh, things like biology or chemistry or, or physics, which I took up, but like the story and the arts, I'm a Taurus. Tauruses love pretty things. Like I love aesthetically pleasing stuff and you know, bringing those two things together, like, duh, advertising and marketing is a perfect thing because brands are, brands are characters, you know, brands are characters. And your job is to 
steward those characters and make sure that, you know, people, people fall in love with them and people want to stick with them. And yeah, I feel like, you know, even the diversity stuff, like I was a maple alum, you know, I, I did the Ad Color Futures program. I was raised, like my career in, in advertising was basically me being raised through diversity initiatives and saying, this put me on, I'm gonna put one of my people on, you know? And I feel like at my core, nothing's really changed. I've just learned one that I can maybe make some money off of it and, and realize like it's an asset to people. And two, you know, I had low self-esteem growing up, you know, like I was picked on a lot and, you know, for the first time, maybe, maybe this year, one, I've learned like, and, and confirmed to myself that like, I could be a leader uh, and, and do great things, but like, I'm actually pretty fucking cool too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm really happy that you found your cool man, because that is, that's, that's like a, sounds like an amazing feeling, you know, and, and recognize your cool, you know, and we do, we have a couple of Q and a questions, but before we go to those Q and a questions, there is one last question that I want to ask you. And it's because you know, it's an imminent factor for a lot of us that are graduating this semester. We're joining the workforce. You know, everything that we've learned in school, we're leaving those comforts behind of like having, you know, professors kind of guide us through the work and, and, and help us understand what we're trying to accomplish. So we're entering the workforce now. And there was something that you said off air that really stood out to me. And it's that a lot of us don't know what we're about to go up against um institutionally in this industry what is it that you think we are going to go up against the moment we leave the comfort of city college and begin kind of roman agency life and finding our place and position within the industry yeah um for one i was warned by all the d D dni people that i admired that like i was entering a world that was just so much wider you know, and for one thing, that is, that's one of the things you're up against. Two, the name brands of people coming in are, are definitely going to fucking shake you. Like, yes, the whiteness will shake you and them saying, oh, you know, oh, you're diverse. You know, you're a person of color. Like, you should be part of our ERG. You should be part of this, blah, blah, blah. You know, and that's fine, like whatever. But it, it genuinely is. You are coming in against people who some of them did MAPE. You know, if you didn't do MAPE, there's people who did that program. And those kids get like at least 20, 20 weeks of training, right? There are people who've done the MPMS program under AAF. Like that's training, you know? So among people of color, there are people who have like come in and have had like training that you don't necessarily get through, through uh, city college. There's people depending on which discipline you take that came out of Miami ad school that came out of ECU brand center, or even one of the like university of Texas, university of Oregon, Penn state, like all these either PWIs or just very expensive schools 
And like, I knew this from day one. I knew this from when I stepped into where all the black people, I was hearing from people like what they were learning, you know, the stuff that they were doing and how that reflected in their portfolios. And I was shook. Imposter syndrome began there. <laughs> Imposter syndrome began that very moment. Cause I have no resume. I have no business cards. And, but I remember that like, I was an athlete. Like I like competition. Not everybody likes competition, but that's literally like, you know, you're, it, it just is, you know, like it sucks that we have to be in this capitalist society where, you know, you have to really, really, really like sometimes almost break yourself in order to feel like you're on the same level as somebody else, even though you've probably already been doing better than them just by being yourself. Right. And like, I implore you guys, like, even though you're not dealing with your professors after you graduate, get your degree, all of that stuff, you have each other. Like, you guys in the Ad PR program are your first family. You, you are your first community. You are your first network. That's and so I, I don't want any of you to lose sight of that because the people I people who are still in my life from city college, they are like, I went through Superstorm Sandy and they looked out for me and I got to be, I got to be at weddings for them. I got to like, I got to like, like be parts of their lives and I got to like help them with jobs and they got to help me with, with advice. And I don't like, there will be people you encounter in your careers who also add value to your life. But like, my, what is that word? Unique selling proposition, right? You learn that in intro classes. Like everybody else's unique selling proposition was they came from a name brand school or did this or did that. My, my unique selling proposition was I went to city college. Like you may have had the name brand, but I have the hustle. I'm a New Yorker. Like, <laughs> right. like being from New York, being raised in New York, that means something. Like you are up, like people had to fly here. This is in our backyard. The moment I realized that this industry was really in my backyard was the moment I realized like, like more of us gotta be here. Like yeah. this, that drives me like more than anything. It is a fact that like, I know I'm from here and I wanna see more people like me be able to have a, a life that they can thrive and not worry about crazy ass rent or gentrification or none of that and, and like you're fact. really a true inspiration for that honestly like everything that you represent is a true inspiration for that and the students especially the students that are watching this podcast and so as much as I love to continue this conversation, we've got to dive right into this Q&A because we've got some questions from the live audience who are just dying to pick your brain a little bit. Um, one of my favorite questions, this is actually something that I'm personally curious of. Uh, what would you look for if you were in a position to hire new graduates from CCNY? Wow, I run my own business, so I may be in a position right. to hire. <laughs> maybe, maybe. If Look let's say. <laughs> listen, if budgets are right. If the budgets are right, either A-list or, or 600, you know, there's, there's definitely opportunities. Um, 
first of all, people who give a shit. Like, right. I think there's a reason why I wanted to be a superhero when I was a kid. And, like, it, it kind of tails into now where I'm just realizing, like, I always wanted the bigger problems. So much of me wanting to do this work was really understanding, like, you know, there, there's just a bigger purpose out here. Like, we, uh, there, there's this burn back quote that I, I love bringing up, like, we who work as professionals in, in media, marketing, advertising, like, we could demonize things, we can vilify things or we can uplift we can raise it to another level and the other thing that we are entering in corporate america that i didn't really get to in, in aggie's point aggie's last question was purpose is becoming so much of a bigger thing we're dealing with the climate crisis we are dealing with all these political issues and social justice issues we are dealing with uh issues that specifically impact people of color, marginalized communities. And uh, like, I want to know that, like, yes, you care about, you know, why the sneakers app is as crazy as it is or what the newest TikTok trend is. But like, again, like, I always felt like, you know, if I care about people in my life, I care about the issues that, you know, that they have to deal with, you know, on a larger scale. And you have to, you have to have this sense of purpose. Um, I dealt with depression uh, after Superstorm Sandy and PTSD and just this shitty industry experience in, in my first career arc. And uh, just diving into that sense of purpose because happiness is a skill that you build. And sometimes you're just not going to be happy. Sometimes as a person of color, the the pressure and the weight of upholding your ethnicity or your gender or, or whatever is a lot. And just surviving as a person is a lot. And just knowing that, that there is something bigger than you, you know, to, to fight for, you know, and, and things that aren't just about your, your, direct happiness or instant gratification that that's a big thing for me you know it's gonna it's gonna be hard to fit all of that in my resume so this is I a mean, lot of bullet points simply put like i would say you know if it's immigration issues if it is just like you work with a like an, a youth group in in your neighborhood and you're able to like tie it back to to things that that make you feel good no. Like end of the day, it's like, you know, I either helped all these kids at this high school or, you know, I, I'm running an AF club, right? Like that's advocacy work. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't need to be big, but it needs to, it needs to feel big to you. No. That's to it. Yeah. I totally, I totally understand that. And, and, and one thing that I love to do at the end of these conversations, um, because we, we, we have some live questions from the audience, but we're going to forward you those at a different time because I want to hear your thoughts on it at a different time before my producer kills me. So <laughs> what I wanted to do is I like to always leave the conversation with summarizing the gems that you dropped off, you know, the puzzle, the puzzle pieces that are going to help us 
you know, figure out where we fit and put together our career maps. Um, and, you know, a few things that stood out to me right off the bat is a good story saves lives. That was special. Uh, brands are characters and we're just building their stories. That kind of made me feel like every time we join a brand, we're just writing like a new issue of their comic book. Um, you are your community. Like, each one of us here at City College, we are our community. And that is, that's definitely something that I plan on carrying me forever because I remember meeting you at uh, One Creative Club's We Are the Black People. One of the things that immediately stood out to you was all the love that you showed me and some of my classmates simply for being from City College, you know, before we even sat down and spoke, you know, that connection was there. So I definitely buy into that one. And then there is, the one that really stood out to me is that the unique selling property or the unique selling proposition of us at City College is that I went to City College. You have the brand name school, but we have the hustle. And I hope that everyone who listens to this leaves with that in their brain is that they have the brand names, but we got the hustle. Um, and Bennett. Thanks for joining us. Um, this was a great conversation, um, an important conversation, because it touched in areas of the industry that are, go beyond the skill set that you learn in school, and that's very important. Um, before we go, just let everyone know, can they hit you up for coffee? Um, and go Virtual grab some coffee. coffee as soon as you start Virtual hiring. Coffee. Have some Zoom coffee <laughs> sessions. Right. Uh, yeah, people can... Uh, people can... I always tell people, find me on Twitter. I'm at Bennett D. Bennett. Um, it's easy to find me there. Bit more difficult to find me on LinkedIn, but your uh, your team has my email address. I'm yes. happy to to take coffee. You know, I, I, I love making time where I can. You know, I'm much busier now than I probably have been in my life. And, you know, just trying to keep my rest and mindfulness in, in check as well. But you know, happy, happy to look out and, you know, get you all to, to where, you know, you deserve to be in your careers. Well, thank you so much. We'll just like add like a little a box right below you with your, <laughs> with your contact information. But uh, that has been where you fit episode three. Thank you for an amazing episode, Bennett Bennett. And uh, we'll see you guys in our final episode that we're going to be doing our seasonal wrap-up segueing into the next season thank you guys for joining us for this season and we'll see you soon good night bye bye thank you guys for tuning in with where we fit a podcast celebrating the unique paths and voices of the marketing and communications industry brought to you by the ccny aaf student chapter Make sure to follow us on our Instagram accounts for all the latest updates at Where We Fit Pod and at AAF City College. We'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>